So Jesus gave us this mission to go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, as a church, we take that mission seriously. As a matter of fact, our uh, mission statement is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And we try to do that by uh, making disciples, helping folks that gather here in this place who are part of this uh, uh, church to, uh, to grow in their faith, to be strengthened in their faith, come to know Jesus, uh, to, to help their families as they grow and mature. We also try to minister to people outside the walls of this building, not just people who show up on this campus. But we also try to uh, make disciples of folks in many different places in the world. Uh, Matt and Bonnie Burton, uh, they said they're the B team, but I really think they're the A team, even though they are the Burtons. We'll, we'll rename you to Altons or something. Is that okay? So that you would be the A team. Whatever, you're the boss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Matt and Bonnie, uh, well, actually it's the first of the summer, so it's been a couple of months now. Matt and Bonnie, along with uh, Bill Conway and uh, with Brandon Jones, came in front of this congregation, and we prayed for you guys because you were going on a short-term mission trip to Ecuador. And so uh, we see that you have returned, and you look okay. Are you okay? So far, so good. So far, so, so far, so good. And so we wanted to hear a little bit about your mission trip. Thought we could take advantage of this, and maybe uh, uh, it's a way of us understanding how that God can do anything in us and through us. And uh, so, uh, tell tell us a little bit about your trip. Tell us uh, where did you go? Uh, how did you get there? And what was it like there, wherever there is? Okay. Well, to start off with, we uh, end up leaving and heading down to Atlanta. Get on. Delta flight. It's a nonstop to Quito, Ecuador, the capital of Ecuador. And then uh, Tim and Dana sometimes meets us. It depends on what vehicle they bring to pick us up and how big our team is. Uh, but Tim met us, and uh, we have about a 45-minute to an hour drive out into um, Chakibamba, which is a rural say that again. area. Chakibamba. Okay. Ask the congregation to say that with you. Yep. Can you say that one time? Chakibamba? Chakibamba. How about that? I think you all could go with us next time. <laughs> See? <laughs> so, and then um, we stay right there on their property because um, they had purchased land earlier on and um, had developed it to the ministry center. Mm-hmm. So what's it like in the area? Is, it, uh, is this a town? Is this a rural setting? Is it uh, de- depressed economically? What, what's, what's it like around the, the, the center? In, in their area, it is pretty, I would say, rural and very poor income. Um, it's all pretty much dirt, rutted roads to get to their home. I would say we're driving, gosh, at least a mile from what you would call town, but that's really just a few very small storefronts where you could, uh, much less than even our 7-Elevens or uh, small you know, uh, gas station stores, not even that, um, would be town. And... Um, there's just not much close by to their home. If you needed any small groceries, you, they have to go to Quito for big grocery shopping, which is like 45 minutes to an hour drive. Um, but people grow a lot of their uh, vegetables, raise chickens um, for, for their meat. And um, it's, it's pretty... So is this mountainous area? Very or? mountainous. It's beautiful. Okay. The, the right very very green. Uh, 
tropical-like or what? Um, the weather's great. They call um, Ecuador the eternal spring, mm. that area, because it's on the equator. Sun rises about six, sets about six, and um, very temperate. Um, the weather was about 45 in the morning at the coldest, and by 9 o'clock, 9.30, you're taking your jacket off. And it got, I think the most it got was maybe 85. And, but average was probably high 70s, low 80s. It was just beautiful weather. Um, sounds sounds <clears throat> difficult to live in that and, environment. And we were, there, we were there in May. If you go a little, you know, spring or fall, it might be a little bit cooler. But um, plant, plants grow all year round that would not grow all year round here. And this time when we went, Dana's yard looked the best it has ever looked because they had had a lot of rain. And because of, they're still building up the ministry after COVID, so the children haven't been coming weekly as they were before, and their grass was as lush as you could ever imagine. Okay. So you go on a short-term mission trip. Uh, some in this congregation have probably gone, but probably the majority of folks have never been on particularly an international uh, short-term mission trip. What did you do while you were there? Just whatever Tim tells us to do. Oh, <laughs> just like at home, whatever Bonnie tells yes. you to do, like you do. Home, is that right? Exactly right. Uh, okay. Only this time it has to get done. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much Tim, Dana, Dana takes care of in the house, and she takes care of her garden. And um, their place is an oasis in the middle of dirt area. It's, it's amazing. You'll see it in the pictures when we start showing the pictures. But um, Tim usually has a list of things that he wants to accomplish while he has a team there because that gives him extra hands to accomplish it. Um, they have built their house themselves. So it's, Tim can weld, he can lay brick, he can make bricks, he can pour concrete from scratch. Just, you mix it all together yourself and it's, it's just amazing. So when we go, we do have projects to do and this one, this time we did have a major project to work on. And they're, they're mirroring their ministry area so there's an upstairs ministry classroom below our bathrooms and a small room. So we're taking that and just mirroring it on the other side. So when we got there this time, we had um, all the structure up. Tim had already welded all the metal framework for roof and walls. And, um, and then we there's proceeded the to do the best we can. There's pictures beginning to show yep. too, so. okay. yeah. Yeah. yeah, there we go right there. So that picture there, you can see the framework. Okay. Now Tim did all that himself. Okay. So wow. he uses a lot of vice grips and poles and, and props. And Dana, Dana helps. And Dana gets yeah. out there, too, to direct him. <laughs> She's the boss, really. <laughs> now, of course, I, and we may talk about this just a little bit later, about how COVID has kind of altered what they're able to do. But in the past, when you've been there uh, on short-term mission trips, you've done physical labor-type projects mm -hmm. like building construction, digging foundations, et cetera. But you've also done things with people in the church community, right? And what, yeah. what's, what have you done in the past with that? Well, and I know that's not a part of our questions. Oh, I'm no, making this up. That's fine. That's fine. Um, in the past, they were pre-COVID. They had on Saturdays up, up to 100, sometimes max 110, 120 children coming every Saturday. And they did basically like a vacation Bible school. They divide the children up into age groups. And usually they'd have, I can't remember, three or four different age groups. And um, they would do worship all together. Then they would do a Bible study, a craft, and recreation. And they would cycle them through the, the three different um, programs. 
And they would have, like I said, a large group of children. They would, some children would walk, some children would come in in taxis. And what a taxi is, is basically a, like a Nissan pickup truck. And they just pile them in the back and, and um, they would arrive via taxi with as many kids could fit in the truck. And then they would serve them a small meal before they left. Um, since COVID, they, I think, are doing just the whole group of children just once a month and the youth uh, either every Saturday or every other Saturday. They're just starting to build it up. When we were there, we just worked with the youth. So it was a smaller group. And there will be some pictures. There are some pictures up now. So we did some recreation with the youth. So now... <clears throat> Are vaccines readily available in that area for COVID-19, or are they pretty much just? I believe they were. Um, and, and masks are, like, major mandatory there. Even if you're driving in your car by yourself, you have to wear a mask. Okay. It's, it's kind of like to the nth degree. Mm -hmm. So their children all wore masks when they came to the compound. And we didn't go out this year, which normally we have a recreation day. We just stayed there in the, on the compound. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> this is a question that I think is very important for me, and I think the others will enjoy hearing your answer and response. But while you were there, how did you experience God and God's grace? That's a great question. And uh, that, that happens on every mission trip. Um, first off, we start... We start relying on God, so we know He is with us. First off, He called us, and we're responding to Him, and we just rely on Him. So that's the first way we experience His grace, is we know that He's going to take care of us, not only in travel, but also in our preparations and our time there, because things can turn volatile there. When we left, two weeks after we left, they were having uh, rioting in Quito. So it got dangerous. In other words, we might have had trouble just getting to the airport. But God, God orchestrates everything in his plan. So we rely on him completely. Um, we receive his grace just working every day, and um, especially with the children, because there's such a brightness to their smiles and their faces, and it just, they just exhibit Jesus in their hearts. And, um, and that touches us, and we're, we're blessed continually while we're on the trip. When we think we don't have enough energy or strength to go another hour, we just keep going. And then, and then at the end of the day, you just go, man, I don't know how we made it through there. But God's grace just pours out on, on the team as we go. It's just, it is really amazing to um, experience that. Not that you can't experience that here on a daily basis, but it's just different when you're out of your element and you have to literally rely on him to provide something that you don't have or it's you get ill you 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 can't you're not running away to go get somewhere you can't run to the dock in the box and get a shot so it's it's his grace abounds tremendously while we're on these trips do you have anything to add to that yeah, i was just going to say just from a physical perspective you do you find you have more than you thought you you had to offer you know you i have some chronic back pain and there's many times i think well maybe i won't be able to do this or i won't be able to do that and somehow you just you do more than you think you could and that's just god's grace on your life yeah that's neat well uh, having been on a few mission trips by the way how many mission trips have the two of you gone the international matt you probably can't count that high 
it's, it started back in 2000, um, I'd probably say 24 to 30, yeah, at least. Yeah. And Bonnie's right in the same neighborhood, maybe about, say, 18? Um, something. 18, 20? Yeah, neat. But the one thing that I, I have experienced, but also many people who've gone on short-term mission trips, uh, particularly internationally, but also domestically, come back and said that I received more than I gave. I received more than I gave. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just amazing how God fills us up in those kind of experiences where we are giving of ourselves. Now, when I first came to, uh, to Udawa Church a little over nine years ago, I kept hearing about this couple, Tim and Dana Dotwiler, who we are supporting in uh, Ecuador. Nine years later, we're still supporting the Dotwilers, and they were probably were supporting them away before that. Tell the congregation here uh, who the Dotwilers are, how that relationship was formed, um, and any other thing you want to share about them. You can start off. When we, um, when we started diving into missions, international missions, we had a global focus seminar here at the church in 2000. And what that did was the Mission Society brought in missionaries to be introduced to our church. And uh, missionaries are always seeking for supporting churches because they rely on support because they're not, they're not out working jobs in the mission field. So we had Peter and Esther Pereira, we had Tim and Dana Datweiler, and we had uh, six or seven other internationals as well as domestic uh, missionaries. And um, Tim and Dana just hit it off with us. Peter and Esther, we were ready to sign. In fact, it was Peter and Esther is why we got into large time international missions. The, um, in fact, our first trip was to Peter and Esther in India. But we also started going and serving with Tim and Dana um, in Mexico. Um, they were going out into the field they had just sold their house in California. They sold all their belongings. They sold everything but the suitcase and the clothes they packed in it. And they were going to South America to learn Spanish. With their three children. They did a language. With their three children. With their three, with their three children. So they packed it up. They said, God, we're yours. We're going. Send us. And um, so after that year of training, language training, they went to uh, Monterey, Mexico. And part of our, when we, when we covenant with missionaries, part of our covenant is we will send teams to assist you and to, be, to encourage you and to help you get, accomplish what you need to accomplish. And um, so we started going to Monterey, and that was um, our first trips with them. And um, we did uh, four or five mission trips think, to Monterey. I think, I think as a church we did. You and, and I did too. I'm going to let Bonnie pick yeah. up from here because she yeah. did the Ecuador part. Yeah, you and I did too with our boys. And then um, they left Monterey and they were in the States around the time when Hurricane Katrina came through and they helped a little bit there. And then they ended up buying the property. No, they didn't buy the property in Ecuador. They went to Ecuador and they rented a home. And... Um, Excuse me. In 2008 and 2009, I went to Ecuador on two trips, and at that time they were doing some agricultural work, trying to, um, there was a church that had some property, and they were trying to draw people in through, um, it was a strawberry farm, and they were trying to draw people into the church via that, trying to raise money for the church, um, and that eventually didn't pan out, but they bought the property they're in now, and um, I wasn't able to go for several years for some 
issues with my mom having to take care of her during the summer, but we were able to finally go back. I think it was in 2015 or 16. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, our church has sent trips almost every year. Um, so we've, we've been with them now in Ecuador probably since 2007, since they first started. I think there was one trip prior to when I went. Yeah. So we've been with them pretty solid. Yeah, that's, that's really neat. <clears throat> Chris, I think you overheard a couple of things that, uh, that are operational principles or values, I guess a way of saying it, for our missions here is uh, we establish long-term relationships with those, we'll sometimes label them as missionaries, um, and we establish those long-term relationships, which I believe is very important because we get to live through and with those folks over a long period of time, know their ministries and such. The second philosophy is not only do we send dollars, and by the way, we send tens of thousands of dollars in outreach every year to uh, missionaries and mission projects that we support outside the United States, but we also want to go there in person. There's something about that personal connection that is extremely important. And so uh, those, those are two very important operational principles uh, that we have in missions. Becky, did I get that right? Okay. <laughs> and Dwight, I'd say Matt and I label them as friends. Do what? We label them as friends. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Our friends in, in other places serving Jesus. That's probably a better way than saying missionaries because they truly are our friends. And so it's, it's a great thing for us to be able to, to, to do that. Uh, you've talked a little bit about this, but share what is... What, what do the Dotwilers do? What's, what's, what's their primary purpose? Of course, I know they're bringing people to Jesus, but how do they go about doing that? They do it in, they do it in many ways. One, as Bonnie had already mentioned about the ministry work, doing VBS-type situations on Saturdays, and then they also have worship on Sundays. And um, then also Tim does, um, he's got a shop. So we, we one, one time we had God oversupplied us with money. He kind of does that all the time. And um, so we bought a bunch of tools for Tim, so that Tim the tool man, <laughs> so that he can, he brought in men. He needs to get the men inside the ministry because they stand on the outside. Usually you get the kids first, then the mothers come in, but it's the men that are the hardest ones to draw into a relationship with Christ. Um, a lot of men struggle with uh, a lot of addictions there. So as soon as they're paid, they're drinking their paycheck. And it's, and it's really hard on the life there. So you can get the kids and the, and the mothers to come in. But Tim started working to reach out to the men and bring them in and do work, workshop training. So while you're doing workshop training, you're also doing a Bible study at the same time. So that's another way that they work their ministry. And uh, Dana also does some sewing ministry, teaching mm -hmm. the women to sew. <clears throat> and she's doing with some of the youth Eng English as second language. I think there's a workshop picture there. Yeah, so, well, yeah. this is actually, this is how creative Tim is. Um, he needed a new table saw in order to cut some of the wood, so he and Bill made a table saw. Cool. Like yeah. the, the, the minds of these two guys, and this, yeah. it actually worked until they burned out the motor because they wouldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> so we upgraded it from a two-horse to a five-horse and a bigger blade. <laughs> That's the way you do it down there. Well, you know, uh, there may be folks that are gathered here this morning that uh, may feel a sense that they would like to 
go on one of these international or even a domestic uh, mission trip. Uh, I know that we've done various lengths of time. You all were gone on this trip how many days? Just under a week, six days on this one. Yeah, six days. Sometimes they might even be 10 or so yeah. days. Those are kind of the longer trips, 10 to 12. Right. If we, if we travel to India or Uganda, then we try to make it at least two weeks because sure. you're spending two days flying travel time to get there. Both yeah. coming back, so you, you only have 10 days on the ground. Yeah. Uh, so. Domestic trips can be even shorter, mm -hmm. uh, but, but typically yeah. they're about five days in, in length. Yeah. We so. usually cover two weekends. We try to cover two weekends just so you can get two worship services, sure. two sure. Saturdays with the kids. But we were yeah. a little limited as far as days off we could get from work. Yeah. I heard a, heard a rumor, and of course it's always dangerous to share rumors, but I, I think that there is an attempt to get a... a, a team to go to uh, a Jubilee project up in Sneedville, Tennessee in the, in the near future. Are you aware of that? I've, I've heard of that, but I'm not in that. I'm so we've that, spread a rumor here that now. That iron, that iron, that's that we spread a rumor. Just keep spreading. The more, yeah, the just more, spreading you, the more interest then you get. People keep asking the, questions, and when well, people ask questions. Well, the more well, interest you get, the more chance it'll happen, <laughs> you know? So, so how could uh, folks hear if they are interested in participating in a volunteer mission project, uh, you know, going somewhere else, whether domestically or internationally, what do they need to do? I mean, what, 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 how's that it's, happen? It's pretty easy sometimes. We can just do this. We just come on down here and go, I can do this to Steve. Hey, ma'am, we're going to Sneedville, man. Can you go? Because I know you've got some skills of building and stuff. Can you go with us? <laughs> Okay, see? see one. All right, we've got one person one. going to Sneeville already. <laughs> Let me look around. Okay? I see that hand. I see that hand. Okay. okay. So that's easy. That's the way to do it. It's word of mouth sometimes, just going out and telling, telling people. And, and, and if, when the passion hits your heart to go somewhere, you can't tell Jesus no. You've got to tell him yes. Yeah. Say, I, if I could take a second. We, I don't know what our time is. I can't see the clock. I can't see anybody out there, really. <laughs> I don't know how you preach up here without knowing if people are asleep or awake. That's I just know they're mostly asleep. <laughs> so <laughs> so on, when India was first brought to our church, I remember in the sanctuary, David talked about Pastor David Graves. Um, he mentioned, we've got to go to India to put a roof on an orphanage. And that was pretty much what he told us, the church. And I was sitting there, and we were fairly new in the church. We'd only been here about maybe three years. But I felt Jesus speak to my heart and say, you need to be on that team. And I went up and knelt next to him and, and said, David, man, I, man, my heart's pounding. So I'm, I'm going to be on that team. But then I get home at night, Bonnie looks at me and goes, how on earth are you going to go to India? <laughs> I said, I don't know. But if I said no, I'd be telling Jesus no. And I'd be disobedient to his calling. So if you feel that urge in your heart, step out of the pew and go. Peter stepped out of the boat. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Follow through yeah. because he will provide everything you need. I didn't know how in the world I was going to India. I didn't know how I was going to afford it. Didn't know how we were going to get there. Didn't know what we were going to do. I didn't know. I had a lot of I didn't knows. All I know is that Jesus said, I want you on that team. Yeah. And I would say that if you have a sense that you'd like to participate uh, on whether it's domestic or whether it is an international trip, uh, please let either your pastors know uh, everybody that's on the church mission team, if you would, please lift a hand, okay? Just look around. Uh, and if you're in another service, you would see folks that are part of that. Uh, if you know these, just say to them, you know, I'm really interested in going. And 
And when the, the trips come up, mm -hmm. you know, this invitation, we keep information like this uh, in the scoop when we're doing trips. We'll typically make some announcements, you know, about that. But we would, uh, you know, really hope that you would be engaged because it can be, mm -hmm. and, it, and I don't think can be is the right word. It is life-changing. It is life-changing. It is life-changing. Okay, which one of you would like to close our time together in prayer? <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> we do have a lot of fun. You know. Thank you. First, I wanted to say thank you, Dwight, for yes. allowing the time to share Ecuador. It's important to share missions, and I really appreciate that. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this church that is mission-focused. And, um, Lord, we know that you're calling people to go on mission trips, whether it's across the street or it's around the world. And, Lord, we, we know that in Acts 1-8 you said that we would be your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And those are four areas that anyone can go to. But when your Holy Spirit touches their heart, let their heart be filled with passion to serve. Let their heart be filled with, send me, like Isaiah said. Here I am, send me. So Lord, we need more of these. We need more people to step up and serve in missions, to go out and assist people and go, get out of their comfort zone and rely and trust on you for everything because your grace is enough. Your grace is sufficient and it's, uh, it's life-changing. So Father, we just thank you. Thank you for these moments together and we just want to continue worshiping you and call on the name of Jesus some more today before we leave. And uh, Lord, we just, uh, we love you and thank you, Jesus, for what you've done on the cross for us. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Would you express your appreciation to Matt and Bob?